morning. Uh, if you can turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, uh, there are some Bibles where you're seated, page 552. Um, let me tell you a little bit about how I feel sometimes, especially this week. We were at IKEA the other day, which is a mix between like a fun house and a store. Um, and you can't get out, but as we were leaving, and we're stressed, and we have four kids, and you know we're getting out of there. We see, I see this lady driving, and I see in the front of her car, there's a big V, like she had an accident. And it wasn't like, oh, I had this accident last week, and I can still drive my car. There was stuff leaking out of the bottom of her car. And in the parking garage, they had these cement pillars like this. And so Kara was like, what happened, what happened? I said, well, I don't know, but let's follow her trail. So we followed her, like, followed her trail, and she turned into the Kia garage, and drove, she was probably going 25 miles an hour, and smashed into this cement square pillar, and her car was smashed in, radiators leaking. That's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that? That you've, you've done something, and everyone can sort of see it, and you're sort of a mess, but you know you have stuff to do. And we're just going to, let's just focus on the next thing that we have to do. Now, I'd be really, I didn't talk to the lady, but I'd be surprised to know, like, what are you going to do now? You going to shop at Ikea? <laughs> go, like, call the insurance company and then just go shop? Um, but that's how I feel sometimes. And even singing this last song where it talked about our sorrow and God knows our sorrow. Uh, and knowing so many of you and knowing the sorrows that you are going through. Um, you know a lot of what's going on in our family with Kara having cancer. We're waiting a biopsy uh, results, and we'll hear them Monday. But I know, too, what's going on in your life, and it saddens me, and it makes me angry because I hurt for you, and it makes me mourn because I get sad for you. Um, so as we're looking at this passage, this passage is about Judas betraying Jesus, and many of you, that's how you feel this morning. You feel betrayed. Whether you feel betrayed because of your own body, because it's crippled by disease, you feel betrayed because your employment is not working out the way it should have or imagined, you feel betrayed because uh, your younger kids aren't uh, walking in obedience that you want them to, or your older kids aren't following the ways that you have taught them, you feel a sense of betrayal. Let me read this passage. Um, this is Mark 14. This is, I'll begin at verse 10 because it gives a little bit of context of Judas. And I'll read through verse 26, which is through communion. It says, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters... Say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? 
and he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. And there, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him, one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them. And he said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So here we have the story of betrayal, we have a story of a meal, and then we have a story of a great promise. The Gospel of Mark, as we've walked through this and as you have uh, read this book, this is a story about the good news of Jesus. But it's not just the good news of Jesus in a vacuum. It's the good news of Jesus and his interaction with the disciples. It's his three-year ministry where he lives with them. He eats with them. He communes with them. He knows them. But in this story and in this book, we see that Jesus is not just another one of these 12 disciples. Jesus lives by a whole different view of the world. And his job with the disciples is to show them and train them that there is more to this world than what is presently seen. So they head to this meal. This is Passover. In Luke 22, a parallel passage to this, Luke says that Jesus eagerly desires to eat this meal with his disciples. He is lo eagerly looking forward to sitting down and having this meal with his disciples. Because he knows that he gets the opportunity to clearly paint a better picture and a better promise to his disciples. So they're preparing this Passover. This Passover, um, it had to be eaten within the city limits of Jerusalem. This was according to Deuteronomy 16. And they say up to 2,000 people would flood the city of Jerusalem on the Passover to walk in obedience to this law. What the Passover meant to the Jews was is a sacramental celebration of God being the one who sets you free. The deliverer. And it's a story of being set free from slavery to freedom. But as they lead up to preparing for this, Jesus tells two of his disciples, go into the town and you'll see a man carrying a jar of water. Uh, this was not a common occurrence that happened. Uh, men would carry water in a leather bag. Uh, women would carry water in big jars. Uh, some of them, they'd carry them on their heads. So for this man to be carrying um, a jar of water, he would stick out, and everyone would notice something's different. 
something's going on. And you're, these two disciples are to go to him and say, where's your guest room? That my master, my teacher, is, been, is going to walk us through the Passover meal. Jesus shows that all of this preparation is according to God's sovereign act. Jar of water, the guest room fully furnished and ready. This is significant because the disciples assumed that this was a normal Passover meal. But what they were about to partake of was a great promise of Jesus being the Messiah, but they're also going to witness the beginning of a great betrayal that is paving the way to uh, the arrest and death and then resurrection of Jesus. Passover shapes the Jewish faith. It's a, it's a, a, a meal of remembrance. It is a celebration of God's redemption from slavery. In Exodus 12, let me read this. This is just the, um, the beginning of Passover. So what happened was God called Moses to uh, free his people from Pharaoh. Not in Moses' strength. It was God telling Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Pharaoh does not do that. Uh, in the beginning, it says that if this does not happen, the firstborn will die. And so Pharaoh says no. And there are these plagues, one plague after another. There's water turned to blood. There are, there's a plague of frogs and flies. And then it just spirals into these horrible plagues. And the last one is the death of the firstborn. This is from Exodus 12. It says, And then they shall take some of the blood and put it in the two of the doorposts and the linton of the houses to which they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh that night, roasting on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not carry any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head and its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning shall be burned. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you. Then I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statue forever, and you shall keep it as a feast. This is a great celebration, but this is also a somber time. Imagine being the firstborn at the Passover. When your dad has slaughtered a lamb, and you're saying, like, every, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's that? What's that? Can I help with that? Can I help with that? And he's telling you, I'm putting blood on the door. Well, why are you doing that? What's going to happen if you don't do that? 
What's going to happen? Um, your life will be taken. So imagine the weightiness. And I know if I would have been the firstborn, I would have said, I think you need more blood. I think we need to do something else. I think we need to build a box to put me in. I think you need to get attack dogs. And the dad says, no, no, no. This is all you need because God has promised. This is all you need. Just a little bit of blood here and a little bit of blood here and a little bit of blood here. And God said, you will be safe. Um, that would truly have tested my faith. Not only as a member of the family, but as the firstborn in that family. This is a meal of remembering faith. But to many, it was remembering our own weakness, our own failure con to control our own life. It was remembering that we are people and that God is God. It was remembering the difference between the creator and the creature. That we are to walk in obedience to God and we are hold to his promises. We're not to hold to promises that we can create because we all do this and think, God, your promise is really good, but this is a much better promise. God, if you promise this, do you know how many people would follow you? But he doesn't. God gives a simple promise. The shed blood of the lamb will free you from slavery. This is a simple promise. There's no promise about uh, a healthy life. There's no promise about a wonderful marriage. There's no promise about obedient children. There's no promise about a great retirement, long employment. That is not in there. But as people, that's what we want it to say. Because really, we want to change that distinctive and say, okay, God, those are really good ideas, but really, God, if I was God and I promised this, everyone would follow you. We have these moments every day of our life that we struggle with this distinctive. Who God is and who we are. How do you act when uh, you are learning to uh, trust someone and you fear betrayal? Do you try to control the situation and be sovereign over it? How do you act when you are speaking honestly to someone about your failures? Do you admit that you are a human and that you and I fail and we need redemption that is beyond us? How do you respond when you're getting the sharp end of betrayal? Jesus then makes a striking statement as they're eating this Passover meal, which is celebrating God setting free his people from slavery to freedom. And then Jesus says, as they were reclining at the table eating, Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after the other, is it I? There's something about betrayal, and there's a, a spectrum of betrayal. We've all experienced some kind of betrayal in our life. But then there is betrayal from uh, within. There's betrayal in a close relationship that is shattering. Um, there's a woman we knew, Karen and I knew, uh, years ago at a church we attended. She was the church secretary, and 
she had kids and was married, just looked like you and I, regular people. And she found out one day that there was another woman. But more significantly, it wasn't just another woman. It was another family that for 20 years, her husband had an entire separate family. And they lived in the same town. And she was betrayed. Shattered. This is what Jesus is experiencing. So there's no way that we can say as people, Jesus, you don't understand betrayal. He knows exactly the ways that you have been betrayed. And it's a wicked thing to be betrayed. But as we look at this passage, do you see the great contrast of what is laid, the path that is being laid for this Passover meal? All the details are orderly and set and provided. And we, we smile at that. Because this is a wonderful thing. We see God's providence laid out. We see God has planned this meal of Passover. But the same way as God has planned where, they to, where they're to have the meal and what they are to eat, God is also has his hand in this betrayal of Jesus. That's much harder to grasp. Now, it's easy on this side of of the work of Christ on the cross to see why this needed to happen. But in the midst of that, you could see how frustrating and angry that would make you. To me, as I read this passage, I think, why did, Jesus, why did Judas do this? What was motivating Judas to betray Jesus? Jesus probably didn't live up to Judas's expectations. Judas could get more wealthy by selling Jesus than serving him. Judas could meet his own expectations by really leaving Jesus out of the picture. In Judas's mind, Judas could live a much better life without Jesus because then he can control his own promises. But he has then no grasp of a promise that carries you through death, forgives your sin, sets you free, and gives you peace today. We battle these same idols. We uh, think in our life, if I live this way, then this is how my life will turn out. If I live faithfully, my life will be peaceful or significant. If your goal in life is physical health or financial stability or security, and you believe Jesus will help you attain this, uh, you will be sadly let down. You may think that the church is where you make friends, Maybe you know that statistically religious people are healthier and they live longer and they have more peace. So you think, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be around religious people. And that is the promise that you want to hold on to. But that is not the promise of Jesus. That is not why he came. I've known many people, and you probably have too, that engage the church for all the wrong reasons. 
when tragedy hits them, or boring sermons, or betrayal of a friend, uh, they throw it all away because they trust more in the church community than they do in the Savior of the church. So as people here at church, uh, our goal this morning is not that you leave with uh, some fancy thing to say to motivate you during your week. Our goal is that you come face-to-face with the claims of Jesus. And you can understand what he has promised. You can understand who Jesus is and what is he asking of you. This is our goal every Sunday. And part of this is a celebration. Because once we can understand this, we are set free. We can live in joy and freedom, even in our humility. Betrayal has the capacity to remind us of two simple things. One, that we live in a world that is full of sin and evil, and betrayal is not a foreign thing. And two, is that we need a Savior who comes from beyond this world. One who has a different kind of loyalty. One who comes with a different story, and that story, he is implanting that in us as his people. We are in need of a Passover where a blood-sealed promise is what sets us free from the cycle of revenge that is our common thought after betrayal. So we think when we're betrayed, our first thought is, why me and how do we get back at them? And it's Jesus who ends that cycle. It's Jesus who sets you and I free. Jesus, or in Isaiah, this In Isaiah 53, it talks about the hurt and brokenness that Jesus understands and experienced. It says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So as much as there's a significant story of the betrayal of Judas, uh, Jesus does not give a thorough explanation of why this is happening. But what Jesus gives is that he gives himself. He gives himself in saying that there's something greater than just an explanation of betrayal. The something greater is Jesus. And how is is he the answer to your betrayal? As you have been betrayed, how is Jesus the answer to that? Jesus offers himself as an answer instead of a lengthy explanation. And what is his answer? As they were eating, he took bread, and after, he blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of a covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine till the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is God's redemptive promise that heals betrayal. It's not revenge that will heal your betrayal. It's not getting back at someone. It's not working to make a better life so you can prove that person wrong. The only answer to betrayal is some kind of redemption. And that's what we have before us this morning. We have the table of redemption. We have the table that is Jesus 
giving of himself for us. Jesus suffers, and he knows your suffering. Jesus gave himself so you can be set free. He's the Passover lamb. You know, it's interesting in the passage of Mark, there's no lamb mentioned as they're celebrating the Passover. Jesus uses bread, and he says, this is my body. And he uses wine and says, this is my blood. Because a lamb really can't do anything for you. Any religious system you and I try to create can't do anything for us. We have to have God communicate to us what he requires. And what God requires is a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And that blood sacrifice is Jesus, the eternal Son of God. So as Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it. And he said, this is my body. His victory that is given to us is a victory through brokenness. And he says, this is the blood, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. This blood was given. And so our calling is receiving. This is the great message of the gospel. That our first step is receiving from God his blessings. And so this morning as we take communion, we take this because we believe that Jesus Christ holds to his promise and he has sealed his promise by his giving of his life. So if you are here this morning and you have that faith in Jesus, this table is a table of celebration for you. This table is a table of forgiveness. That you can forgive the one that has betrayed you or the people that have betrayed you because Jesus gave his all for you so you can be set free. If you're here this morning and uh, you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross, you don't believe he's the eternal son of God, uh, we're very glad you're with us this morning. Uh, we ask that you would take some time as we're taking communion that you pray. And as you're seeking truth, we would love to seek that with you and to help you. But we would clearly ask that you refrain from this and you would honor the words of scripture that we hold very dear to us. So if you are helping with communion this morning, would you please come forward? The way we do communion here at Westside Church is uh, we begin at the back rows, and we come forward on the outside aisles. Um, the pairs up here will be holding the elements. We have uh, white grape juice and red wine. Uh, the other thing we'd like to uh, welcome you to is uh, we are a family as a church. And if you have young children who aren't able to understand what it means to trust in the Lord Jesus and repent of your sin, we want you to bring them forward because we would like to pray for them. If there's something going on in your life that you would like to have prayer for, I would love to pray for you. These people would love to pray for you. So it's with great joy this morning that I invite you to come with a repentant heart and receive uh, what the Lord Jesus has given for you to nourish you. So we celebrate together. Come, receive from the Lord Jesus.
you have not taken of the elements, uh, please do. This is uh, the body of Christ, which is given for you. blood of Christ, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. Indeed, it's with great wonder that we look at the marvel and the miracle of Christ's life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. Once again, let's stand together and let's sing. Yeah. 
I will send you out with the Lord's blessing, but then right after that, I'm going to give you three announcements, okay? But I want you to know, this is the Lord's blessing. The announcements will come later. Um, so please receive God's blessing as we are sent out to a hurting world, as we are sent out as people that are hurting, knowing that Christ is the great healer. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, quick three announcements. Uh, one, there's a meal afterwards. If you did not bring anything, please stay. So if you had lunch plans, we canceled them. Uh, stay, join us for lunch, get to know some people at our church. Um, uh, two, Allie Wurtenberger is going to have the table back there about compassion. If that's something you're slightly interested in, please go talk to Allie. This is a great opportunity. It's a great thing to support. And number three, we're doing membership interviews. So if you have filled out the membership form on the city, uh, then EJ and I will be sitting at our own private table and you may come and speak with us, and we'd love to hear your testimony. So uh, that is it, and we'll say that our worship service was God's blessing, that he's going to bless our meal. So help flip the tables and uh, enjoy lunch.